0: We are so excited to be hosting Unite 2024 this coming April 24th through 26th at Woodland Hills Church in St. Paul, Minnesota. We have some amazing speakers like Brian Zond, Marlena Graves, Isan Bobolo, and Jenny Waldron joining us. Unite 24 will explore the prophetic church, four ways a church renewed by Jesus can surprise the world. We can't wait to see you in April. To register, head to jesuscollective.com forward slash unite or click the link in the notes below.
1: Welcome to all those out in podcast listening land. It is I, Paul Walker, one of your hosts here at the Jesus Collective Podcast, and a warm welcome to you. It's such a joy that you have hit play on this exciting discussion we're going to have today. Today, we are looking at what it means to be peacemakers in a polarized age. And to help that us do that, we have Isa and Bambolo joining us on the podcast today. Now, I'm just going to introduce him in a second, but before I do, I want to remind you that our upcoming event, Unite, uh, meeting in St. Paul's, Minnesota, is it's it's right on the horizon. And if you haven't registered yet, I would just encourage you to check this out. This is going to be an exciting opportunity uh, to, to lean into what it means to be a prophetic church. What it means to be a church addressing the deep longings of our culture, uh, the deep, the deep questions, and we can only do that when we're in the same in the same building together, sharing life together. And so, uh, if you haven't registered yet, let me encourage you to do that. But without further ado, let me introduce our amazing podcast guest today. Today we have Isa Mbambolo, who is currently serving as the Mennonite Central Committee uh, and Zambia and Malali Peacemaking Coordinator. He provides peace resourcing to MCC Zambia and the MCC South Africa, Southern Africa region. He's the former chair of the MCC Africa Peace Network, and he's a specialist in setting up peace clubs with expertise in building peace with young people, church and community leaders, prisoners and refugees. He's worked as the director of a nonprofit organization, Peace Club Zambia, for 10 years. And prior to that, Isa worked as a peace education facilitator in the Zambian refugee camps with the United Nation High Commission for Refugees and Project Coordinator for Maheba Messengers of Peace. Welcome to the podcast today, Isa. Thank you, Paul. Thank you for having me. It's my absolute joy and honor. Thank you for saying yes. Uh, Isa, what what can you tell us a bit more about yourself? Like, where are you joining us today from? Uh, Maybe give us a little insight into who you are.
2: Well, thank you so much for the question. I'm joining you from uh, Lusaka. Lusaka is a capital city of uh, a country in a southern African region called Zambia. And uh, I'm originally from... uh, Democratic Republic of Congo from Eastern Province. Hmm. And uh, I live in Zambia with my family and I'm working with uh, MCC, Mennonite Central Committee, Zambia and Malawi as peace building coordinator. Hmm.
1: How long were you in the Congo and what brought you to Zambia? Um, I was um, raised in
2: Congo and grew up in Congo. Uh, though I was born in Burundi and then he crossed back again after a few years uh, while I was still a baby in Congo. And that's why I did all my education. And I started working there as um, a teacher, a math teacher. And then war broke in Congo. And uh, because of my safety, I decided to cross the borders and uh, found myself in the Republic of
1: Zambia. How old were you when you left a war-stricken situation and journeyed to Zambia? Oh, I left Congo when I was um, 30 years old. Okay. Yeah. And what did that feel like? Like there's conflict raging around you. You're 30 years old. You have to essentially flee your country and start your life over. Can you Can you give us a window into what that experience felt like? Oh, it is um, a very
2: hardship experience to be uprooted from um, your home area where you were already settled with your family and uh, just leave your home, your family, your friends and neighbors, leaving your work, your properties and find yourself in a foreign country like Zambia. That was my first time in my life to be in Zambia and and, um, different culture, different languages. You know, the the Republic of Congo is a French country Mm -hmm. and Zambia is an English country. So, and that part of Congo I'm coming from, we don't have any local language, which has a connection Mm -hmm. or similarity with uh, Zambia. So all was new and uh, it was not an easy experience to live in a foreign land
1: yeah were you married at the time did you have any kids at I was time? I was not I was not married
2: by the time by that time okay. and I was still single so I married Wow we in Zambia and I married a citizen of Zambia and, Okay. Um, we have one child uh now she's uh eight years she's doing her second year at the University of Waterloo in uh, Conet Grebo uh she's oh, doing wow. this and conference Peace and Conflict Studies, she's a Faraja, Cape she's uh, living in Waterloo.
1: Okay, yeah, that some of our listeners will know that well. Certainly, I know Waterloo well as a Canadian, that that's so, so, so exciting that she she's here and in, investing in that way. Uh, now, you've kind of already hinted at this, but I'd love to hear a bit more on this, um, because we've asked you to kind of speak to this idea of peacemaking in a polarized world. And I'm curious, like, what can you tell us about your own life story that helped you connect with a Jesus-shaped peacemaking in a world of conflict?
2: Uh, Paul, that's a very interesting question, and I'm glad I have this opportunity to share my story. Uh, As I told you earlier, um, Democratic Republic of Congo has experienced conflicts, tensions, wars, a polarized situation. The church has experienced a polarized situation for so many years since independence, Mm. where the church has been divided based on uh, political lines, tribal lines, ethnicity lines. And uh, it was not easy at all, not at all. You find uh, Christians are meeting together on Sundays to pray, to sing, and when the the service ends, everyone has got his own political ideologies and uh, people are, are, are scared to talk about it, and it is not really, it was not a good experience because I lived in a divided society. Mm. And um, this is what motivated me to join peacemaking. So mm. when I came to Zambia, I knew I'm, uh, I'm, I'm running away from my security for my safety, but I I just taught uh, um, at a high school for a few years, for three years. And I resigned and joined peace studies. And this is how I started my peace making field because even when I joined, when I came to Zambia, I lived first in a refugee camp. Mm. And um, the same conflict that um, people experienced in their countries, because in the refugee camp where I was, it was a refugee camp that brought together uh, refugees from about, 10 to nine countries, different Mm. countries, such as Angola, Rwanda, Burundi, Sudan, uh, uh, Somalia, Congo, Ethiopia, uh, Zimbabwe, and so on and so forth. And what was happening, even in the refugee camp, where people were supposed to live in peace, the entire community was polarized, was divided Mm. in small pieces. And um, there was, you know, finger pointing to say, I'm in this, Situation because of your tribe, because of your ethnic group, because of your nationality, because of, of your religion, and so on. And people are burning, you know, uh, houses for the friends, for the neighbors that they believed they, are, they don't belong to, mm. to, to, to their ideology, to their belief. And uh, this is what motivated me to join peace and um, and
1: and dedicate all my life in peacemaking. As you describe that situation in the Congo, I can't help but reflect that how similar that some of those dynamics um, might be to some of our current realities here in North America, certainly even here in Canada, I think our, our recent study out of the University of Saskatchewan said that uh, one in four Canadians believes we're getting more increasingly polarised. And the stats in the states are even more alarming. And it seems, as you were describing, a division around politics, a division around racial lines, tribalisms. It seems, it seems that, too, is our experience. Perhaps there was a time where we didn't experience this, you know, in a bygone time, maybe like the 90s or the early 2000s. I don't know. Uh, I wasn't really a, a church leader at that time. But certainly, it seems um, we sense the fragility here in North America. We sense the deep ways that we're we're not united in the ways that we thought we were. I- I'm curious if you could share a bit more about, like, you have this commitment to seeing peace. Can you share more about uniquely how a Jesus shaped way of peace is different than just peace as more like a concept out there, uh, you know, perhaps promoted, like, uh, in a United Nations context. How, how do you see you, uniquely, how do you see Jesus at work in this call to peace? Because I want to name, there, there are some movements that, like, they they perhaps don't lean in to see Jesus as a peacemaker. They perhaps even perhaps bless a certain side and use the church uh, to sort of baptize one tribe or one political vision. Can so help us understand how Jesus uniquely calls you to something different than that?
2: Well, oh, that's that question is a very important question for me, and uh, it, it reminds me my experience in both approaches of uh, peacemaking. Um, I need to take you back a little bit when I, I finished my uh, first degree in uh, peace. I had an opportunity to work with the uh, United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees. And, um, this work was about bringing together, uh, refugees and, um, mm. uh, local communities and refugees who believed to be different from one another, uh, who believed to be, to be enemies. So, and, um, in addition to that, I was also involved in uh, bringing peace in a different camp, a refugee camp, which was um, hosting ex-combatants. So these were rebels and ex-soldiers. So before going back, because the, the aim was to, to help them understand that their countries are now peaceful and therefore we, they needed to go back into their countries to, to settle there uh, on repatriation. So during this period, I I used um, um, academic piece-making uh, uh, strategies. And how would you and, uh, describe what was...
1: that is? Like, can you sh- okay. share more? How, how do you define what academic piece is? That's correct.
2: So I was given an opportunity to go into the... Countries of origins of these refugees were supposed to go back and settle there. And the reason was to go and um, and find out if there is a total peace which can accommodate these ex-combatants to settle in peace in their countries. So I happened to sit in a negotiation between rebels and uh, the uh, uh, the government in place. Mm. And uh, what happened is uh, we learned on how to set up just the the mediation, you know, the, the, the round table, who should sit where mm. and, and all those uh, theories and who should do the corners on how to put chairs and the tables. We use all those uh, theories to make mm. sure that there is a successful negotiation that will allow peace to come back and which will allow repatriation of the ex-combatant to go back into their countries. So we use all those those, uh, uh, um, uh, theories. And uh, the second theories was uh, to, before the mediation first, you use, uh, um, you talk to both parties separately and then you bring them together. So what happened is that uh, The rebels, because they were losing uh, uh, ground, they were losing uh, in the field. So they were flexible and what made them to lose is because their cargo delayed in coming. Mm. And therefore they were very flexible in accepting all the suggestions. And at the end of this negotiation, they hugged each other after signing the peace accord. In mm. this particular country, that I will not mention for the sake of uh, of uh, confidentiality, and then and you know when the politicians hug, journalists are very happy. They get excited. Yeah, the media is very excited. It's because the photo this opportunity. Is <laughs> Europe, <right? Yeah. laughs> so their newspapers, magazines, they 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 sell a lot when they mm. when they they post such pictures of hug and they shake a hand. And uh, Paul, I learned that peace is just beyond the handshake. It's mm-hmm. beyond beyond the hug. So yeah. after those hugs, everyone was very happy. And mediators who were with me and other former uh, 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 um, um, leaders were happy to see the handshake and the hugs. And this is how we, we left. And uh, the news was that happy, uh, peace has resumed in this particular country. But as uh, UNHCR, UN, United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees was, uh, re- was preparing repatriations of this particular group into their countries, now the uh, ammunitions of the rebels arrived. Wow. And when it arrived, again, they got guns and they started the fighting in this particular country. Again, the repatriation was it stopped. It couldn't take place because this war was not uh, was not ending at all. Mm. And the lesson I learned is that um, peace can only be found in the King of Peace, who is our Lord Jesus
1: Christ. Wow. Wow. That is a because profound lesson, right? Because what you described there is... We often look for the photo opportunity. We, we want the false piece, but all that was was a cessation of conflict. That's correct. So, so, stay more about that King Jesus, Jesus, yes. the the King of Peace, the Prince of yes. Peace. What? Yes. Tell us more about what you learned about Jesus's peace as opposed to this photo opportunity piece you found before. That's correct. Um, The lesson I learned, Paul,
2: is that uh, I learned that um, polarization is not just about uh, diversity. It's not about disagreement. It's not about uh, having or holding different views at all. Polarization is more than that. I learned that polarization is, uh, you know, the fear of the differences the Fear that of is differences. Now, huh. Yes, that is transformed now into mm. us versus them thinking. Yeah, yeah. And uh, this fear, the underline of this fear is the fear of losing something. Mm. Okay, the fear of losing a certain identity. So these these are the roots. Okay, of uh, of of polarization. Mm. And uh, now, you can only address any conflict if you go deep into the root causes of a conflict. Mm-hmm. So, from my, my, my from my explanation, you can see that polarization is not just about differences or diversity, but it's
1: deeper than that. Mm-hmm. And um, it's identity like uh, speaking. Like I hear you. That's saying that. correct. It's that's identity. Correct. identity. But- because then our identity, our foundation of self-understanding is at threat. We don't know who that, we are if the difference uh-huh. comes. Wow. Uh-huh. wow. Uh-huh. And then you create now this
2: thinking of us versus them, mm. where you believe that we are right, they are wrong. Mm. We are good guys, they are bad guys. Mm. And uh, killing one of us is a loss, but killing one of them, It is just a mere accident. Mm. So when you have this thinking, then you you create this division. Now to address this, again, you need to go to the roots. Mm. And um, and, uh, the peace that comes from Christ is founded, is rooted from love. Mm. Because uh, love, according to the book of uh, Corinthians, First Corinthians chapter 15, it tells us that love is patient. Mm. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not boast. Love does not proud. Love does not dishonor others. Love does not uh, self-seeking. Love does not anger anybody. But love does not, uh, in addition to that, love does not delight in any evil, but mm. love rejoices with the truth. Yes. Love is trust. Love is hope. Love is perseverance, and so on and so forth. Mm. So, if you bring in the love of Christ, you teach the love of Christ to this polarized society, Jesus becomes the center mm. of Everything. Yeah. Jesus becomes now the main identity. Because you'll find as Christians now, we have one common identity, which is the children of God. Mm. One identity, which is uh, 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 citizens of heaven. Yes. yes. So when you have this common identity, this covers now, the identity which is based on political ideology. This covers now the identity which is based on sexuality, which Mm -hmm. is based on culture, which is based on denominations. And once we find ourselves as one people with one identity centered on Christ, this helps us now to see one another as one people, as one nation as one citizen and citizen of heaven. And when people think in this line, then this understanding breaks stereotypes, perceptions about others and, and so on and so
1: forth. Uh, like, let me just say, like, how deeply I appreciate the way you just articulated it. Because I think you helped us see what's happening in polarization. Is It's not so much that we have difference, but the threat of identity change. That perhaps the reason we feel so torn in our <laughs> modern age is that we have shifted away from Christ at the center to other centers, that we found who we are in politics, in our tribalisms, in our uh, ethnicities even, right? That we would elevate that above that shared center in Jesus. That is so good. It reminds me, I'm actually, I'm in a series right now in my church in Galatians, and everything you said, I felt like I was listening to the Apostle Paul through your voice, Isa, because there's that sense of, like, Paul, Paul like, turns to this church that has division between Jew and Gentile, and mm-hmm. he says, like, it's, it's no longer I that live, but Christ in me, and Christ, That's similar correct. as he says elsewhere in Colossians, he tears down the wall of hostility, but mm-hmm. not by saying who's, who's right and who's wrong, but by mm-hmm. saying everything changes in light of your new identity. It's it's such a beautiful way. I I just so appreciate how you captured that. I, yeah. I'm curious yeah. Yeah. um given that you kind of given a, a deep I would say theological, Jesus-shaped way of articulating how to address polarization. I'm curious if you could share more about some of the practical sides that you experienced as you've set up peace clubs. And for all our North American church leaders who are listening in, they may not be familiar with the work of peace clubs. Could you, could you describe that for us? Could you talk about what happens in those contexts and what you learned uh, in those contexts? good. Uh, Paul,
2: uh Peace Club is um, a tool that uh, we use. It's an education tool that we use to bring about uh, peace building in a society that is polarized. I, I gave you an example of a society I lived in, refugee camp, which was polarized. And um, the most... Um, the most factor that polarized this society was the politics. As I told you to say, when uh, refugees run away from their countries, they mm-hmm. carry these uh, uh, philosophies, ideologies, mm-hmm. because uh, politicians they they need the people, and uh, for them they, most, the most strategy they use is to divide in order to rule, yeah, and 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 have power. So. I I learned that in in this context, uh, this community was polarized based on a political and the society was divided into four different groups. Mm. So the first group considered themselves as the group from the left, and others from the right, and others. Centrists and the f- fourth felt like I, I I should not belong to any group because even their countries they did not see participate to election mm. just to avoid to belong to any as one way of uh, not to belong to any group but still more they found themselves belonging to one group mm. so what the peace club does now peace Club. Brings together because it's a platform, it's a tool that brings all these individuals Mm -hmm. that feel they have a particular identity and bring them together in a round table to have a conversation. Because what polarization does, polarization shuts down communication. Mm, Yeah. And, 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 that's correct. So peace club. does the opposite. We, when 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 I when I came with the initiative of peace club, I was inspired by the analogy of a table. As you may know, when a family meets for dinner around a the table, there are not only joys, joy conversations, but there are also tough and difficult conversations that take place around this table, around the dinner.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But this does not stop us to meet as a family, to have this dinner together Mm -hmm. and share stories that can bring joy and bring, you know, uh, uh, some difficult and tough conversations or topics. Mm. So, but at the end of the day, we all believe that we are people from the same family and we need to discuss these issues. So this is the analogy I can use uh as uh, the explanation of peace clubs so peace clubs bring together all these different uh, factions if we can call them yeah. together and have a conversation and this conversation is uh, a, a very respectful conversation where we 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 encourage people to be good listeners mm. despite having different opinions different uh, uh, understanding, different uh, beliefs, perceptions, mm. but uh, we encourage people to talk mm. yeah. and, and identify the need of everyone and identify the fears that I was talking about, mm. okay? So that everyone can know why my friend is experiencing this fear. Because uh, this fear, as I said, it is it is caused by the loss of something. And then it creates fear, and this fear now brings anger, yeah. and this anger is manifested outside anger because of the differences. But in real sense, the cause is not the differences, but it is more than that. So Peace Club brings out these underlining factors, and this helps parties to know the needs of each one, and find ways and means to share these needs. And the one uh, scripture that helps Peace Club to, to, to have one common understanding and facilitate the conversation is the scripture of um, uh, the, the second letter of Paul to Corinthians Chapter 5, verse 18, mm. yeah. which is stated that, all this from God, who through Christ reconciled us to Himself, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Mm. So um, I know um, we we have this uh, great commission, which is in the Book of Matthew. But uh, in the Peace Club, we still believe also this invitation from Paul in the Book of Corinthians, Second Corinthians. This is another. Great commission that we are mm. given, yeah. which is the ministry of reconciliation, to reconcile people who think they are enemies, yes. to, reconcile wow. the crust, mm. to reconcile people with crust, to reconcile people with God through Christ, and this is uh, the uh, this is the job or the work of uh, Peace Club, and therefore we developed uh, a curriculum that facilitates the conversation. And one, the first section of this curriculum is called conflict. The second is violence. The third is um, Janet reconciliation. And then the next is trauma healing. And then the, 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 the last one is um, uh, making peace with the people with disabilities. Mm. So, all these uh, resources, we use them to facilitate the conversation and uh, it helps people to have, uh, 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 to discuss their differences. Mm and at the at the end of the day they become one people and these curriculums they have verses scriptures that uh, facilitate the conversation
1: mm. i love the image of the table and and of course i think the table is close to to a Jesus follower like Jesus goes yeah. in the gospel yeah. of Luke he goes from table yeah. to table to table yeah. and yeah. and when Jesus in in the last hour hours yeah. of his life like he's at a table and he gives us the body and blood of Christ the 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 bread and the cup right and like there's this invitation to talk to each other and I and I was just reflecting as you were sharing how often it is that that we're not at the table together. And like, I, I heard an interesting statistic that here in Canada, um, that 30% of meals are eaten alone in a car on the way to somewhere else, that we don't even eat together anymore. And I, I, one of my curiosities I, I had as you were just describing this, this beautiful like round table where everyone is weighing in, um, how do you prepare people for that moment? Because I, I, I doubt that you just throw them in the room without any sort of like conversation. What 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 things do you do to prepare people for that moment to see the other?
2: That's great. That's great. Uh, Great question, uh, Paul. Of course, you don't just bring people who think they're enemies in one room around the table. It's not possible as, as I, I mentioned earlier, the first casualty of polarization is communication. Yes, come on. <laughs> Preach, brother. <laughs> yeah. So, and therefore, if you wanted to turn the tables ups and down, you just need to start from there, mm. communication. So we communicate with individuals separately. Mm. we we show them uh, what is our identity as Mm. Christians we discuss the importance of politics importance of sexuality importance of culture differences importance of of, uh, any political ideology Mm. we celebrate that but we also say we also have one important identity, which is above all these differences, mm-hmm. and this
1: is uh, love in Christ. In Christ, yes, yeah. And, and this is. Are there other the ident- people that are from a non-Christian worldview that participate in peace clubs? Like uh, I noticed you, you were saying, like you remind them of their identity in Christ. You're looking at the scriptures. Uh, mm-hmm. What do you do if someone that is not a Christian and and yet they find themselves in this curious place of leaning in. That's a very good, very good point, uh, Paul. Uh,
2: I forgot to mention that these resources that we have, uh, the curriculum that we have developed in the Peace Club, we have a secular vision, and mm-hmm. we have also a Christian version. because of the question you have asked. We believe that in this world, not everyone is a Christian. We have non-believers, non-Christians, mm-hmm. and therefore, we 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 also uh, prepare a, a platform for them as well. So, uh, what we have learned, uh, uh, Paul, is that um, though someone may not be a person of faith, but peace is one commodity, is one aspect of life that everyone enjoys. Yes, it is the yeah. hope of everyone around the world, whether you are a person of faith or not. Mm-hmm. And, and and therefore we 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 always look at our audience. So when we are talking to our, our of the audience, which is not faith based, then we focus on the word peace, mm. because this word peace is there in all the religion. The Hebrews will call it shalom, yes, and the Muslims will call it uh, salam. And so on. So it is there in all the society. This shows you how much peace is very important and it is needed by everyone under the sun. Mm-hmm. And therefore we avoid using scriptures so that we are not um, uh, judged as mm-hmm. um, uh, people who are trying to evangelize others. Mm-hmm. So we, 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 we are a little bit uh, hesitant bring the bible into the conversation as when we are talking to the, the non-believers but the common ground Paul, is uh, we prepare people separately mm. and uh, we invite them on a round table yeah
1: that that's beautiful and and I do love that you you search for what is the shared common ground that you have. What is the center we can unite around? That's so beautiful. And uh-huh. and I just I appreciate the way you were saying like yes for our Muslim brothers and sisters it's salam for Hebrew the Hebrew Jewish brothers and sisters shalom. If we could begin to articulate that, um, uh-huh. I imagine like that there's 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 still a journey with that that perhaps perhaps they could still break apart I-, I wonder do you have more success with some of your your more like uh, Christian-based peace groups as opposed to your secular uh versions or like have you noticed a difference in outcome or yes
2: uh Paul uh with uh, Christian vision
1: mm-hmm.
2: and um and the non christian vision the the challenges are almost the same. Mm. And this is where I I learned that a human being is a very complex being. Yes. And and the most complex conflicts or tension is uh, a conflict that is based on identity. Mm. Conflict based on resources are not so complex because it is about sharing the resources fairly and it takes a shorter period. But identity, it is something that is, it has to do with an inner person. Mm. So we have learned that a society that is polarized, poor, it is very, it takes long to to Mm. bring people together because the biggest challenge is that individuals fail to separate the issue that separated them and the, and the, the people themselves as individuals. So they tend to to, to to combine the issue and the, the person. So uh, uh, and that makes it very hard until when we reach that level of separating the two individual as an individual, and the issue that separated them as an issue, and then you Mm -hmm. speak now as an issue. Then then, then bring them together. Because the danger that we have discovered in both, the -hmm. the challenge is that um, because they they combine the issue and the individual, there is a risk of judgment. Yes. There is a risk of condemnation. There is a risk of, uh, of blame blaming one another. There is always a risk of threatening one another because you look at as an individ- you look as the individual as an enemy because he is speaking something that is different from your opinion, your mm-hmm. perception, your ideology. And you combine both, and this is where now radicalism comes in. You feel like I should just eliminate this, and the message that counterattack this is the message of love.
0: Mm.
2: Yeah. The message of uh, the message of uh, considering a human being as the image of God, mm. and that opens up
1: the conversation. So beautiful. So you've been running these peace clubs for over a decade. Like you, you've had some really great experience. Uh, you're you're a practitioner, and I, I'm just curious, what what have you been able to identify or some like really big challenges about doing these sorts of peace clubs well? Uh, what would you say is like some common threads? You're like, yeah, this is a challenge you should anticipate as you're leaning into peace building efforts great uh Paul, the biggest challenge
2: is um to help someone to love another person as he loves himself someone mm-hmm. who has uh, someone who golden is, rule who has, yeah <laughs> someone Royal who yeah you're, <laughs> someone who is not sharing the same ideology with me? To, to love him as, as I love myself, it is not an easy task at all. The second challenge is forgiveness. Mm. You'll find when people who consider themselves as enemies, people consider themselves as rivals, they, they are tempted not to forgive others in order to punish them. Yeah. You find someone saying, I'll teach him a lesson, I will not forgive him. Yeah. And the, and the, and the, um, the analogy we use to help them is that, uh, if we don't forgive people who offend us in order to punish them is
1: like uh, taking
2: a poison And expect the other person to
1: die. (laughs) Yeah. It does something to us. Unforgiveness. You're right. You're right. It always burdens us. We are the victim. You're right.
0: Yeah. We are always
1: the victim.
2: We will never be at peace. You always think about that pain. And -hmm. and, and therefore, if you don't allow yourself to release that pain and expect the other person to learn a lesson, it doesn't work.
1: Yeah, you can't so, have forgiveness and retribution, right? And yeah, I, right. I totally, like, I've been in those places of needing to forgive. And uh-huh. I, I identify with that feeling of to forgive almost feels, it feels like injustice to uh-huh. someone. Because uh-huh. it feels like we're almost telling people to forget or to uh-huh. saying it didn't happen or minimizing uh-huh. the pain that uh-huh. happened. But I, I uh-huh. think I've discovered that forgiveness is not saying, it's okay, you're okay, uh-huh. I'm okay. It's uh-huh. it's bigger than that. It's You're right, uh-huh. it's about our freedom. It's about, uh-huh. it's about the cancellation of that retribution. Um, uh-huh. I love that line that Bishop Tutu said. He said that without forgiveness, there is no future. That's correct. That's correct. That's correct.
2: So these are the areas that we, mm-hmm. we, we, we struggle with. And, 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 you know, forgiveness, mm. love of the enemy, it is someone's decision. You, you can't put pressure on someone to forgive, no. to love the other enemies, not to condemn, not to judge. So these are some of the temptations that are in this round table and you know if 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 you if when people struggle with all these aspects then the result is revenge yes so and this does does create a cycle of polarization in the church in the community and in the nation
1: yeah so it's that it's that we, image you shared earlier isa of the photo opportunity, they hug and yet they never forgave. And as soon as the weapons came, as soon as they were able to strike back, it was like, yeah, war's back on. <laughs> yeah. 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 So we have had the successful
2: stories and we have had also struggles where people are not willing to forgive at all. At all. Mm. They're not
1: ready. They keep condemning and judging others. Yeah. So you've talked a lot about like you're you're doing a lot of work in refugee camps. You find yourself leaning into the areas post-conflict, like things have fallen apart, and you're addressing essentially uh, those that have been wounded by the shards of ideology and hatred for brother and sister. And you're meeting with them uh, and helping them. See each other through the lens of love around yeah. a shared table where forgiveness yeah. is possible, where new futures yeah. are possible. Yeah. So you're addressing it at that end. Conflict has happened, yeah. violence has happened, and you are yeah. weaving together this beautiful yeah. re- reconciliation. Reconciliation. Yeah. I'm curious, though, if you could speak a bit to churches that want to address it before before the conflict happens? How can we be proactive? How can we sow the seeds of peace and justice so that we don't have to start at the refugee campsite, that we could build um, build societies and cultures where peace is already at work? Can Can you speak to that about what it means to be proactive in our communities and and cities? Great. Um
2: oh the best approach in the peace building is uh, to be proactive and there is yes and there is one uh expression from um, John Maxwell that I love so much John Maxwell says um, it is always good to prepare than repairing mm. so Preparations is better than reparations Mm. because the preparations, it is proactive. It is cheaper. It takes a shorter period and it takes less resources. But uh, reparations, it's expensive. It it takes long. It takes a lot of resources. And there is no guarantee that it will work out or not it work out or it will not work out, so there is no guarantee at all, and therefore your question is very, very important because it is about preparations mm-hmm. before the conflict affa- uh, 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 before conflict occurs. So, one of many approaches that I've learned of uh, being proactive is that uh, Paul under the sun we are different and we cannot avoid our differences and oh, there are can. so many there are so many things that makes us different so mm-hmm. many gender some that's one classes yeah tribes ethnicity race skin color all ideologies yeah. and, and all these are there and, and we'll not, we can't avoid them. So because we are different, we should expect or anticipate differences in our societies. So what is very important now because of these differences, you know, I I, I prefer the word inclusion than diversity. Mm. So, Diversity, it's not just the matter of bringing people from different backgrounds, people who are different from us, bring them in one group and get satisfied. This is not enough. Mm. So there is the need of including everybody in the decision-making. By so doing, we will result into inclusiveness. Where... People feel like we have a common goal, a shared goal. And when you ask one of them, what is uh, the mission? They always say our mission, our goal, Mm. our purpose. So there is that word of our, because the people have been included and there is this inclusiveness in the diversity. So...
1: And that's way different than tolerance, right? Because tolerance would say, like just just get over your difference uh uh-huh. or it's like that welcome that you know as miroslav volt would say inclusion and embrace uh yeah. or exclusion and embrace but this idea yeah. of like they are my brother they belong yes. to me this is my sister yes. yeah yes yes way different in than fa- a western liberal value of tolerance that's correct yeah. in fact uh, uh uh po i prefer replacing the word
2: tolerance with acceptance. Yeah. Well, I accept the other, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So when when, when people feel included, Mm. when when people feel accepted, then they feel the sense of belonging. Yeah. And by so doing, you are reducing the grievances. Mm. So you are solving a conflict before it happens. Yes and this is one of uh, many strategies of being proactive in uh, in avoiding polarization in any society
0: mm.
2: I've seen this in a refugee camp in Malawi where I went to open peace clubs there Yeah, and this worked very well
1: I want you to speak to our North American context, as well as you can. Like you shared with me before, I hate record, that you've been here before. You stayed in my, my home city here, of Winnipeg. Uh, so you said it was a bit cold. So that's not yeah. a surprise. <laughs> uh, but like currently for many church leaders in North America, I'm also thinking about like specifically the United States right now. They're, they're in the brink of what's, you know, the, this cycle of polarism maybe in ways that they've never encountered before, um, and, and uniquely, it's a, an election year in the U.S., so it brings out even more of the charge otherness of, you're not this and you're not this. I'm curious, if, if you could speak just a word of hope, a word of wisdom to pastors and church leaders that are staring at the storm of polarism, what might you say to a us what encouragement can you have to us in such a tense time uh, here in the North American Church? Well
2: oh, I thank God that I had a privilege to spend um, good years in, um, in North America, starting from Canada. I spent some um, some months in British Columbia doing my studies there uh, in Alberta that is in Edmonton. I was born in Edmonton. There you go. Oh, great. Great. So my first time to come to Canada, I spent uh, some weeks in uh, Saskatchewan. That was in Saskatoon. And then uh, I spent some days in in (laughs) Winnipeg. And I did my master's in Ontario. That is in Waterloo, And Mm -hmm. I visited uh, Quebec. That's in Montreal and Quebec City. Mm. And in the States, last year, I was in Virginia. And before that, I was in Pennsylvania. So I'm a little bit familiar with the polarization in North America. And um, as I said earlier, um, we are different Mm. and these differences will still be there. We will not run away from them at all. As long as we are in this world, Differences will be there. Differences based on politics, differences based on on sexuality, differences based on um, uh, uh, theological perceptions and faith, and so on. So the list is long. So what I would say is that despite these differences that we have, and uh, which... Uh, 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 at the end, they create identity where people call themselves, we belong to this faction. We belong to this far end, right, left, central, and those who feel like they are independent and and so on. So, you know, we we can't avoid these differences. But uh, one word of hope is that we have one identity which is above all these identities. Come on, yeah, and and this is uh, this is uh, children of God. Mm. This is identity about uh, being citizens of heaven. Mm. And uh, in Africa, poor we we use the word blood. Yeah, and blood it's a very strong word in Africa. When I say this is my blood sister. This is my blood brother it 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 means a lot it means this one is in my heart mm. we are sharing sharing the same mother same father same and and if you touch that despite the difference that we can have with my blood sister my brother nothing can separate us because of that blood which brings us together yeah and as one Christian, family god yeah one family yeah. now as now I'm talking to, to the church in North America. We, have, uh, we, are all, we are all saved from the same blood and this is the blood of Jesus, which mm-hmm. is about, above our political affiliation. The blood of Jesus is above our, 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 our sexual orientation. Mm-hmm. The blood of Jesus is above our, our uh, uh, denominations. Mm-hmm. It's above our perceptions about the world and so on. So if we can take, if we can consider this blood that brings us together, that bound us together to be the top priority, despite our differences, I think we will not consider others to be different group. will not have... This this concept of us and versus them. Yeah. Because that concept of us versus them divides us instead of uniting us as Christians. Yes. Because the outcome of us versus them is we are the good guys, they are the bad guys. We are we are we are ro- we are right and they are wrong. And that keeps divide the body of Christ on a daily basis. Mm. So if you can focus on Jesus as our root, as our base,
0: Mm.
2: you know, I I like the illustration also of trees in the forest, you know, trees in the forest, they provide us with shade, with oxygen, with life. And these trees, they don't have the same size. There are some which are tall, others short. Some are big, others slim. And, Despite the diversity, they have the common growth. They bring life to the world. Mm-hmm. And therefore, if we can understand that as Christians, we are rooted in Christ, despite our differences, and we should shine as the light of the world, despite this political affiliation or other other, other uh, 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 ideologies that can, can divide us. So this is the message I have
1: for North America and the entire world. Thank you, Isa. It's been a rich conversation. Um, Thank you for for taking time to meet with us, for calling in from the other side of the world uh, to chat with me today. I I just want to express my heartfelt thank you. And I believe you're coming to Unite this year, right? So you're That's flying correct. in, and uh, for those, again, who are listening in, that is April 24th to 26th, 2024. We're meeting at Woodland Hills Church in St. Paul. Minnesota, as well as there's an online option. And yeah, we're talking about the Prophetic Church, four ways a church renewed by Jesus can surprise the world. Isa, you're going to be joining us for that, and you're one of the speakers uh, at this exciting event, and I can't wait for people to just meet you in person. And I can't wait to meet you in person too. So, uh, yeah, for those that want to hear more from Isa, Come to Unite. Otherwise, uh, if people wanted to connect with you, where, where could they find you online, Isa?
2: Oh, I'm found in Lusaka. And um, uh, that's my physical address. I'm um, at um, uh, MCC, uh, Lusaka, Roma, Guerrero Road, um, plot number 114B and um so we can send you a letter there (laughs) that is one yeah so and then uh, i'm on um, facebook Mm -hmm. i'm also on instagram isa Sadi, you'll get me easily and um we can still have um, a long chat or interaction uh uh, when people have
1: the time oh so beautiful thanks again and Thank you, listening audience. If you made it this far, you get a gold star. Thank you for pulling up a chair at the podcast table. And friends, here's to keeping Jesus at the center. Thank you, Paul, for having me.
0: God is at work raising up a movement of churches, ministries, and disciples all around the world that are passionate about advancing a more united and hopeful Jesus-centered Jesus looking kingdom. If you're a listener today, I'm sure you can see and feel that. So, can I ask you today if you'd help us amplify this Jesus centered movement? Can you share the podcast, blog, and social media channels? We are on a mission to equip a centered set vision of a church renewed by Jesus by investing in the renewal of its leaders. Would you consider making a financial investment in Jesus Collective today? Is anything stopping you? If not, go to jesuscollective.com. Your investment means we can advance and amplify this Jesus-centered movement, investing in pastors and Christian leaders globally. Hey, and don't forget to make sure to check out our website for upcoming events. We've got a ton of great things happening.